Welcome to another episode of Other Duties as Assigned, a podcast recorded out of the makerspace at the Georgia Cyber Center. My name is Kaylee Key. I'm the Innovation Program Coordinator at the Georgia Cyber Center, and I'm here with Joshua Duffy, who is Howdy. the AV technician in the room. He is producing the podcast and co-hosting with me today, and we are joined by Steve Foster, who is a special agent in charge here at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation Cyber Crime Center at the Georgia Cyber Center in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> Steve, will you give us your four bullet points? What are the four things that we need to know about you going into this podcast? Well, I think first is, and this is not unique to to, to law enforcement. My background's not in cyber. Uh, my most recent background with the GBI is kind of in new project development, and, and it happened through the crime scene specialist program where we changed how we did business. And from that, and because I, I lived close to Augusta, uh, I was tasked along with Beth, Beth Messick to create what we have now as the, the Cyber Crime Center. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing, is if you ask me the nuts and bolts about cyber, I'm probably not the guy, but I hired the guy. So, you know, we have the right people uh, in place. Uh, I've been on uh, with, in Georgia law enforcement for the past 30 years. Uh, so cybercrime for law enforcement around the state is fairly new. Uh, it's new territory for the GBI. We've been in business a year. And uh, I think that that's, that's important to understand is that this is the new landscape of crime. Uh, to know a little bit about what we do here at the center is that we provide uh, investigative resources for cybercrimes, meaning you're a victim of a scam uh, you're a victim of an email compromise, something like that. We provide resources to investigate those, uh, hopefully to be able to identify a suspect, hopefully to be able to uh, maybe get some of your money back, mm -hmm. uh, but to handle cases that traditionally have not been investigated. So we do that. We do forensic uh, exams of digital devices, so anything from cell phones uh, computers, laptops, tablets, and automobiles, we are involved with uh, those forensic exams here in Augusta. And then the third part of that is that we do training here. So we have a 58-seat classroom that's attached to the, to the GBI, and we use it. Uh, we use it to bring in vendors like Cellbrite, Burla, um, <clears throat> X-Ways, N-Case, the, the vendors that we use on the forensic side but we also bring it in for investigative training. So we bring in groups like the National White Collar Crime Center uh, to come in. They were here 17 days this year. We hope that we continue that relationship. But it's to get that, that baseline training out to investigators so that they understand, you know, this, this is the new landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, it's growing incredibly fast. So that, that's what we're here for. So now you know who I am, what we do. Uh, why we do it is because the, the area of cybercrime is growing incredibly fast. Uh, I know that the new issue of Cyber Augusta magazine is out today, and I was looking over that uh, because there's an article that they did with me where we talked about $300 million in losses last year in Georgia alone. Well, that was actually 2017 numbers. Wow. And what we've seen 2017 to 2018 is that those numbers have increased by 62%. So 
Holy cow. That's that's the profit that the cyber criminal is making off of the people of Georgia, the individuals, small businesses of Georgia. So you're you're looking at now close to five hundred million dollars last year, two thousand eighteen. And I I almost dread to see what the numbers for two thousand nineteen will be. We've never seen an explosion in growth in any category of crime before like we saw last year in cybercrime. So when those those events happen with that effect, then it's massive. Uh, It's not something that we can continue to uh, not take seriously or push as a a lower priority crime because this is a massive economic impact on the state and on the individuals. Uh, You know, one of the biggest categories of, of victims are those that are 60 years old and older. They don't have to to lose a tremendous amount of money to be devastated. Well, they also they don't also have the technological wherewithal typically of someone in their twenties or thirties exactly to know like don't click on that email, don't right. you know don't take that phone call and whatever it may be right. So and, and that's exactly right. And there's there's several factors. That's one of the the biggest ones. So when the when the criminal is looking at who do I victimize? Yeah, I want to I want to get the guy that doesn't know how to lock his door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best best one to burglarize, right? So the the technological naivety is one of it. Mm-hmm. Older adults are lonely and they're trusting and they're more willing to have a conversation with somebody and believe what they have to say. So it, they're they're more easily manipulated. They're more financially stable. Uh, you know, they've spent a lifetime putting money away. Uh, and then even at a, at an older age, I think that they have that hope of benefit. You know, my ship has finally come in. So as they, uh, you know, you get to that age and you just got a phone call that you're entitled to a government grant for tens of thousands of dollars and I just got to pay the taxes up front, that sounds good. And they wind up losing their life savings to that type of a scam because they're hoping that this is it. You know, the mortgage is paid now, we've mm-hmm. got money in the bank. And and that hope is in that older group, that older demographic I don't think it's so much about greed as it is, you know, we're finally, the salad years are here. Mm-hmm. You know, right, finally, the, the, the hope, the sparkles in the eye yeah. about, like, you know, whatever whatever it may be. Yeah. It's which, about to get easy now. Which, which yeah. like, for anyone that's on the other side of that who's younger, it just, like, hurts. Like, yeah. you hear that and it's just, like, that's painful. Like, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, and and <laughs> for several years, uh, the GBI has has had a focus on elder and vulnerable adults uh, that are victims. Uh, I know that there's uh, in the Augusta area there's the Cave Task Force that that focuses on that, and that's that's part of our interest. Uh, GBI does three things: we we do investigations where children are victims, violent crimes are involved, uh, primarily homicides. Well, actually, I, there are four missions, but. Violent crimes like homicides, officer-involved use of force cases, and elder abuse. Those those are primarily what our our responsibilities. The four are. pillars of Th- they really are. Like, uh, right, and and as we we move into other areas, uh, drug enforcement, uh, gang issues, gang motivated crimes, things of that nature. But those all tie back to to the violent crime uh, part anyway. So they're they're all kind of tied and connected. So that that's but that's one of those. It's near and dear to your heart, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people that we want to address elder abuse victims or elder scam victims as if it's my mom. And what would my response be if my mother was victimized by one of these these con men? And let's treat this case the same way. 
you know, let's be as aggressive as that. I think I gave you three points, but. (laughs) (laughs) So just to clarify, you are not the person or the agency in particular that when someone is victimized, they don't call you directly. So how do y'all get these cases? How do they come to your front door? Right. And and this isn't just uh, cybercrime. It's it's how the GBI is structured uh, across the board with only a few exceptions. If you're a victim of a cybercrime, the first thing that you do is contact local law enforcement. They mm-hmm. have to be the one that takes the initial report. Uh, because we are always bound by resources, we can't always work every one. Obviously, with $500 million a year in losses, we there's no way to get involved with every case. But if that local law enforcement doesn't have the resources to handle that investigation, they'll call us. We'll become involved either by taking the case over and investigating it solely uh, through the GBI, or we'll work in tandem with that agency to, to investigate it. We'll try to, to uh, seek leads. We'll try to, to uh, advise them on where they can go to get it, get evidence mm-hmm. and, uh, and work, to work that way. There may be a time, and I hope there is, where you can call the GBI and we can respond to a citizen's request. But because of the nature of, of how we're structured, the first the first call is always to your, your local law enforcement, wherever you, you live. How many states have something like the GBI Cybercrime Center? Are y'all the are we the first state that has a specific unit that's just, you know, you're standalone in Augusta here and you're just solely devoted to cybercrime. Do other states have a setup like that? They do. Uh, now, there's there's something unique about Georgia in that we're here at the center, uh, where most are not at, at a center like this. Uh, but most states do. And, and I talked, uh, I th- we talked earlier about a, the group called ASHA. Mm-hmm. And that's the Association of, of State Criminal Investigative Agencies. We had a meeting in Dallas last year, and it was the, the supervisors from the each state's uh, Cyber cybercrimes program, and it basically mm-hmm. was all the states, District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, all gathered together. And you find that yes, there, there's there's an answer going on in each of these agencies, but it's not the same. Yeah, uh, I would assume there's some like minutia stuff to like each state's particular problem. Right. Like Georgia's very business, it, it business is or focused, right? In a way, and so I'm sure a lot of that seeps into the way that GBI thinks about, like, cybercrime right. versus um, other states that don't, like, have a huge agriculture business, let's say, not, right. you know, Fortune 500 companies, and I'm sure that alters the way they think right. about it. exactly. And, and, and you're exactly right. And, uh, and what their response is, uh, is is different. Some have been in the game a lot longer than others, and right. us included. Uh, you know, we, we moved in ahead of schedule last year, uh, the 1st of July, so we're we're a one year old work unit. So you have some New York, New Jersey, Indiana, Tennessee. Some of these have had a cyber crimes program for many many years. Uh, some combine cyber crimes with the Internet Crimes Against Children. Mm-hmm. We do not. We we separate those two missions. Uh, but for the most part, we we are nationwide. We're spinning up these programs uh, where you have the problem. Uh, this more significant is on the local level because they're resource poor. And you are more focused on the crimes that are occurring in your community than a crime where the perpetrator may be in another state or overseas. So those smaller agencies just can't provide the resources to investigate this, this complex of a, of a, of a crime. 
Uh, and that that's the problem. This this is one of those few and, and wire fraud, uh, mail fraud, and cybercrime. These are the only types of crime where your perpetrator is never in the same place as your victim, and it creates a lot of challenges for us. But your perpetrator never steps foot in the jurisdiction where the crime is committed, and how do you respond to that? Is is a you know, that's the big problem. Which, uh, which I'm sure is why, like, in the past, and like with wire fraud, securities fraud, that sort of thing, like the SEC and FBI were always the people that popped into your mind because it was, you know, usually across state lines or, you know, in the financial sector. And so it involved a special kind of investigation to right. unearth those problems. Right. So it, when you look at it from a state level, it's a totally different. Yeah, it, it is, uh, it, and it's a huge challenge. And, and one of the ways that we overcome that is that we do have the relationships with the other state agencies. So if I find that the money has left Georgia and, and gone to Mississippi, Tennessee, I have a contact there, and I can say, look, can you pick this up at your end and run with it? And they're doing the same with us. So we have that. The other problem is that, uh, and, and it's something that there's a solution for, is getting the states to become part of the federal law enforcement system. And the way we do that is to, to join task forces. One of the pushes that we have is for all of the agents for the GBI cybercrime program to become task force members for the FBI's cyber task force in Atlanta. That way, they're actually sworn federal law enforcement officers. They can enforce federal law. They can enforce state law. They then also tap into the resources that the, the FBI or any of the alphabet soup agencies of, of federal law enforcement can, can provide. A Texas Ranger of cybercrime. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> Absolutely. You go anywhere and do anything. And, right. uh, and, and it's the model that ICAC, the Internet Crimes Against Children, has been based on for years. Mm-hmm. There's that structure. There's affiliates that, you know, you have this task force structure, and we're just starting to build that on all cybercrime. Uh, those, you know, the, the child cybercrime, we've been in that game for 20 years, uh, and it's very well structured. It's very effective. How do we take that model and plug it into what's going on with ransomware, network intrusions, and for-profit cybercrime? So there's that. Uh, but, you know, as we, law enforcement is reactionary. Uh, local law enforcement always jokes with the GBI, they call us ATF for after the fact. Because that's what we do, is the crime has occurred and we respond to it. And this is no different. So as cybercrime grows and we see the problem growing, we're responding to that. Uh, we're not very proactive at this point. Uh, we're getting there. But we're reactive. Mm-hmm. And, and we investigate cases that have already taken place. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think that's important to understand. As we, as we get a handle on the types of crimes, we develop an answer for that. Uh, examples of that are we're, we're already working closely with the U.S. Attorney's Office and, again, the alphabet soup of, of federal police yep. to create a working group to strategize how do we address these problems. That's in, in motion. Uh, we're doing the same thing on the state level. You know, how do we work with the smallest city police, smallest sheriff's department, all the way through the largest and have an effective answer. How do we work together for mm-hmm. this? You know, we, we call this borders without borders because of the, the issue where the criminal is never here. Uh, and that's, you know, there's a big, big difference between that and a traditional crime. So we've got to have that, that cooperation between all law enforcement where if you have a homicide, 
your victim, your suspect, are right there together. And that's where the crime happened. That's where it's going to be tried. Uh, and local law enforcement has the long enough arm to grab all, all parties. With this, you don't. You don't have the resources. You don't have the manpower. Uh, and even at our level, that, that's true. We have to rely on help. So uh, for us, it's Secret Service, FBI, Homeland Security, and so on. Uh, we have to have that to be able to reach out and, and grab these suckers and bring them back to Georgia to mm-hmm. stand trial. You were saying that um, most cybercrime units are not located in a center like this. So what is it about uh, the GBI C cubed? <laughs> I get that wrong every time I struggle with it. What is it about your unit that makes you fit so well into the Georgia Cyber Center and part of this you know, model of community and collaboration. Yeah, I think that I think that you've got to give a tremendous amount of credit to the former governor uh, mm-hmm. Nathan Deal, that he had the people and the vision to say this is what we need to do. What we had is that this whole program is based on a need, uh, several different needs. With us, the need was we've got to have more people that are experts at getting into digital devices. They're becoming more complicated but increasingly evidence is located there. And it's not just your phone or your computer. It's IoT. It's your ring doorbell. It's your Nest thermostat. It's your refrigerator. It's your watch. So we started with that. We need. And when that need was was given to the governor's office, the response was, you have this need. AU has this need. Uh, cyber in general, NSA, Fort Gordon have this need. Let's do this in Augusta. Let's incorporate you into it. And the way that I describe this is if you looked at, at the Georgia Cyber Center as a pie, we are the law, enfor- law enforcement slice of that pie, right? You have academia, you have private industry, you have military, you have other government, and we represent law enforcement. Uh, and, and for the state of Georgia, I can't say that we're the only one now, but we were the first that use that law enforcement slice of the pie in this total big picture. Uh, the benefit behind that is uh, we always talk about working in our own little bubble. And when law enforcement does what we do, we are encapsulated, right? So we don't reach out very much. We find the tools that we need to do the job. We buy those tools and we do it. And we may occasionally learn from that vendor. What's important is In that bubble, we may not be able to tell Augusta University, Augusta Tech, or others, or private industry, hey, what we're seeing in law enforcement is this great tool called email (laughs) is the entry point for 92% of cybercrime. That gives them an opportunity to to look at it and say, you know, it's time to to build a better mousetrap. What's next for for email? Uh, and, And that's true. So we have those conversations here. And the flip side, the benefit for us is we can go to agencies who we're already starting to have conversations with, like National Guard and the, the uh, Army Cyber, and talk about you know where, where we're needing help. So we use off-the-shelf vendors, uh, off-the-shelf equipment. But as data becomes so broad, and we're working a case now that involves one computer that has tw- uh, 20 terabytes of data, that data is so massive wow. that even when we're doing a limited keyword search, it's responding with hundreds of thousands of responses. Traditionally, that's an analyst going through manually, just like they did in the old days with fingerprints, mm-hmm. trying to see what's valid and what's not. 
Well, how can we incorporate some of the intelligence community's uh, systems to be mm-hmm. able, not not specifically theirs, but what can they, they tell us? Use this, and it will find like, your evidence. What are some you. learnings that they've had sure. about dealing with huge databases of exactly. information? Right. Yeah, right. And, and it's just automating that process. And mm-hmm. just like with, with fingerprints, DNA, we have those automated systems. It goes in and finds the evidence, and then an analyst goes in and validates that evidence. And, and that's a lot more efficient. So we're now in that position where we can start to come up with those technologies that we can, we can develop. They can help us be a lot more efficient. Uh, I guess that's the long answer. But, yeah. but, uh, but the benefits of being in this environment are, are tremendous. I mean, they really are. They're huge. Uh, I think that, uh, that the ability to draw uh, people here is one of the, the biggest. And what we've seen, like I talked about, we've had, we've had numerous classes. I think we've had 15 or 16 week-long classes in 2019. Uh, we've brought in three hundred over 320 students, most of those law enforcement, from everywhere from Texas to Washington, D.C. That's our reach now. And, uh, you know, we had five that were here for every class that the NW3C, the National White Collar Crime Center, put on here. They were all from North Carolina, SBI, mm-hmm. from their state, state Bureau of Investigation. To me, that's tremendous. You know, we're becoming the southeastern hub for cyber uh, in, investigative training. That's that's big, and that was one of our Which, goals to begin with. As a macro concept of like what the center w- needed to stand for. Absolutely. I mean, it's literally part of the mission. Right. It just in a very literal sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. I, I love how y'all when you host training here, you say, "Yeah, you can use our training room. That's fine, but." you have to stick one of our agents in your training and let them learn from you. Even if it's not something that maybe they specialize in or they had any interest in, but they have the opportunity. You're hosting these week-long classes from that you know run the gamut and topics you know, that your agents are able to go in there and, right. and learn from them no matter what the topic is. Yeah, and, and that came from our earliest concept when we were allowed to have a, a training class attached to us, and we're the only GBI office in the state that has that. So when, when that was given to us and we were formulating our plan, that was it. I'm a taxpayer in Georgia. So as a steward for the taxpayer, what are we getting in return? We're, we're allowing them to come in, use our space that we pay for, and, and what are we gonna, how are we going to represent the taxpayers for that? So anytime that we bring vendors in and it's a, a cost-associated uh, class, they will give us a free seat for every so many that are filled. And that's part of our uh, negotiations up front is that if you come to Augusta, Georgia, use our classroom, for every nine that pay, we get one uh, for no cost. So it's, a, it's basically a subsidized. And that's how we, uh, we basically give back to the community. We're training our agents at no cost to the taxpayer beyond what they're already paying for the classroom and getting some very, very uh, high-level training. Uh, for, for our agents, um, and we've we've done that on, on almost every cl- uh, class. One of the other benefits is we talked about NW3C. Their classes are all no cost, so they're a, a grant funded organization mm-hmm. from Department of Justice, and they're coming to Georgia to teach these skills. So the only cost to law enforcement is room and board and their their meals that their departments have to pay for. They're saving so much money uh, on that training because the training doesn't cost them anything. But uh, but that's a that's a very big issue for us is we want to make sure that we're getting what we're giving 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's that's always a key point. Anytime that we're we're reaching out and trying to find training for our folks, it makes a dynamic on this campus so interesting too. Because you already see that you have your Augusta University and Augusta Technical College students, you know, mingling in the same atmosphere as GBI agents who are gun toting agents um, who are investigating a number of of things that we can't even imagine next to our industry folks, next to these vendors coming down from Department of Justice to, to train your people, and next to the National Guard and the um, Army Cyber folks all in the same elevator. Right. Sometimes you that elevator door opens, and it just amazes me, the group of people that's standing there all together. Well, and y'all and, are a huge and part of that. It changes like a student, like a young, impressionable student's concept of law enforcement or DOD or things that they just otherwise don't really get exposed to. And it humanizes that sort of thing. And it humanizes like how we solve those problems instead of it being like, Ooh, there's this large group. There's this acronym that takes care of crime. Like who are, you know, are there people behind that wall? Is it like it, it's, it's an interesting kind of PR thing too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, these are real people. This is a real thing that, we all deal with right, and and I think that that environment is so critical uh, right now. You know, mm-hmm. and when we look at we look at situations that we're seeing right now, and we talked about it a, a few minutes ago, where the Georgia Department of Public Safety had just been hit with ransomware. The week prior to that, three law enforcement agencies had been hit with ransomware. Where's our answer coming from? So I, I tell people, and, and when we when we have the opportunity to go into uh, high schools and middle schools. You can do an entire career at the Georgia Cyber Center, right? You can come into uh, any of the programs that they have set up for primary school. You can go to college here, Augusta Tech here. You can get your degree, an advanced degree, and you have NSA Georgia that's plugged in, the military that's plugged in, private industry that's plugged in, law enforcement that's plugged in. You can have a career right here. Never leave the building, right? That's awesome. I mean, that is fantastic, and it, and it goes to that. It goes to the fact that we're all in the same space, and it's a non-classified space. So you have people that work at a high level, but we can all have conversations, and, and I think like, that, like that's— Like normal people. Absolutely, and, right. and, and it's just we, we bump into students on the elevator. Not, not, to say say, someone, not to say someone with a clearance isn't a normal person. You just <laughs> well, put, you, don't, out there, you don't have to be as guarded <laughs> right, with your right. words. But, yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we bump into to students, and, and it can be as simple as how's your day. And, you know, they, they go into it's tough. You know, I came from this background. Now I'm trying to get into this background, and this is difficult. Well, when you get done, come see me. You know, I want to know, you know, if your talent meets our needs, we're right here. You know, if you need an internship, come to the fourth floor. We'll we'll provide that, uh, and and those little relationships that bud, they're they're absolutely incredible. And it, I mean, it goes back to the the bubble. If we burst our individual bubbles, then we're sharing information. We're this is the center. It's about sharing information. It's an information center. It's a cyber center. So if we're able to start talking about our needs, our challenges. You've got somebody down the hall that says, been there, done that, here's our solution. You've got folks here that will create a solution for you if you ask mm-hmm. them to. Uh, and, and, you know, we, all, we are all bound by policies. We all have walls between our agencies. 
But having us in the same space, you can learn how to, to work through that maze. And uh, I always give him credit, Eric Toller, that, that is executive director, is one who understands those barriers right. and knows the path to get around those. You know, a lot of them, you don't need that. But when you're dealing with military, you're dealing with NSA, you absolutely have to have somebody to walk you through the minefield mm-hmm. that is policy and rules. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's critical. But But the mindset here is let's find a way to do it. Uh, one of the things that we put into place when our team moved in last last July was no is not a word. Uh, if we can, we will. If, if we can do it by policy, by resources, we'll do it. And I think that that's been the, the, our answer for the, for the past year. If you come to me and you say, can you accommodate fill in the blank, the answer is yes, let me find a way. And, and I think that, that that has been the attitude of everybody here. Uh, Which, by the way, is a bold way to operate if you think about law enforcement and investigation in the old sense of like how people would put a, a stigma around that or sure. the, the their concepts that they may have built in their head around it. Well, and, and there's there's a way around that. There's some of that is is absolutely by need. You yes. know, we don't we don't discuss case specific mm-hmm. information. Right. Open active cases that we're investigating, we don't talk about what's in there, uh, and and that's that's for a reason. Uh, that's to give us an edge on the bad guy. It's not because we're secretive and we're hiding information. You'll find out what we did. Right. Uh, but yeah, you're you're exactly right. But but for the rest of this, the broad picture, uh, there's no reason. To be secretive. Now, I don't want everybody to know what tools we may use to extract evidence from a from a killer, a drug dealer, a rapist. Uh, you know, some of those things we don't want to talk about. But with our partners here, especially those that do have those high level clearances, we can talk about those. We can say this is the tool. Come and look at it. Tell me if there's a more efficient way for us to use it. And uh, and that happens here. So you know, those those are are benefits that we don't. We don't see too often outside of this environment, so I think that that's that's awesome for us. What do you think your biggest success has been since y'all have been here? And not even necessarily success in a case or anything like that, but just what's been your biggest win that you didn't see coming? I like to plan, so I, I like <laughs> I, I think that I think that what we've what we've accomplished in the past year we set out to accomplish a year ago. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's the relationships because those those have and, and it doesn't end here. Uh, one of the biggest issues that we had when we came in was we started with a beautiful space, nineteen thousand square feet, classroom, two labs, wonderful, and eight people. So we were significantly understaffed for where we started from our starting point. Which, and, which by the way, is unheard of in terms of like government agency, absolutely. state agency. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a bunch of space, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that goes back to, to having us involved in the planning at the very beginning of this, uh, two and a half years ago, was that we were able to sit down with the architects and say, this is what we want. We got almost everything that we asked for. And you're right. I mean, you, usually we would move in and we'd need to put a double-wide trailer out back to handle <laughs> the, the extra people. Uh, that That's not going to happen here. But uh, that was that was the first challenge. And then going into the, the legislative session that we had this, this spring was how do we – staff up and having relationships here and not only the the po- folks that are on the campus 
uh, that we work with on a regular basis, but the tours that have come through. And I've let my people know how important these are. Lots of tours. Absolutely. And, you know, my daughter actually tells people I'm a tour guide. That's what I do for a living. And, <laughs> we uh, all are a little bit absolutely. around here. Yeah. yeah. But we've had, we've had such an important mix of people come through. And if you spend the time and tell them what your, the problem is, what your current situation is, and what the solution is, we tend to see those things happen. Mm-hmm. So as the legislature came through, sure, we wanted more. We asked for more. Not much. Not that agreed. Uh, we just wanted to be fully staffed. And at the end of the session, we had a great response. Uh, they understood that we have to have the equipment, the software, and the manpower to, to achieve what we're trying to do here. And I think for me, that's, that's the biggest accomplishment was we're on, we're on track. Uh, we, we're where we wanted to be from the beginning when we proposed this. Um, but there's so many. Uh, and, and I think that the successes, the successes for me are the relationships that we've established and the ability to do things like this where we're getting the word out, not just what we're doing, but how do you avoid being a victim? Where where do I need to be aware, you know? Yeah. Uh, there used to be a show on PBS that they, the song was Swamp Wise. It was Okie Finokie Joe. <laughs> and, uh, and I tell people when I give talks, this is like the Swamp Wise. You've got to be cyber wise. Mm-hmm. If you're working in these systems, be wise about it. So to be able to get the word out, go to community centers, uh, you know, uh, uh, churches, any group that wants to hear me talk, to be able to tell them, this is where you're going to be a victim, this is how to avoid it. That's the other, I think that's the other plus. Problem is, those are very, very limited, and there are 10 million plus people in the state of Georgia that right. need to hear it. And uh, so we've, we've got to keep working on that, too. The thing that's been the most astonishing to me is how open y'all have been to our school groups when they come through. I mean, I... I I was amazed that y'all were like, yeah, bring them on up to, you know, to our space. Let them come in. Let them see, you know, what the lab looks like. And um, y'all were able to talk through some of that equipment with them. And these are young students who have no idea. They've never, they think this is amazing. They didn't, they didn't ever envision going inside the GBI. Um, So, you know, when we bring field trips in, I do think that's some some of the most impressionable impressionable groups that we have here. And y'all have just opened your doors to them and been so, you know, forthcoming. And yeah, come on in, see it, see what we're doing here. Yeah, and it, it goes back to the original thought. I mean, it was buy in, mm-hmm. and and we we came in here with buy in, uh, and that was that was from Director Keenan, uh, the the former uh, GBI director, all the way down through the command staff. Was this is the vision mm-hmm. that they have in Augusta. You go there, you have to buy into that. Uh, and, and I don't think it's contrived on our part. Uh, we believe in it. You know, we, we, we know that this is part of the bigger solution. So it goes back to no is not a word. Uh, you know, if, if you have a group we can influence, out of those tour groups, there's going to be one kid, and he's the one that knows how to hack uh, something that he shouldn't be able to hack, but he's got the, the even, talent. Even if, it, the even if it's his neighbor's Wi-Fi router. Yeah. Like, I mean, and honestly, right. that, that's, that's it. it he's, he's got the interest in this, and his trip through here may be that, that glimmer, you know, that little spark in his eye that says, that's for me. And that's where he goes in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's critical for us because I'm a 52-year-old man, and, and there's something true to the old dogs and new tricks. It's, it's very difficult to learn everything you need to learn 
we've got to have these kids that are living this to come in and start enforcing the laws to, in to, the internet. To use a term that I absolutely hate, but it's relevant, digital native. Yeah. Or like sure. they've lived their lives with this the entire their entire life. Right. It's just part of the world to them. It's not some new thing. Sure. But but you know, it's digital. But it goes back to the kids who built model engines when they were kids mm-hmm. and they grow up to be great mechanics. Right? Yep. You know, the kids that build model airplanes and now they're pilots. I mean that you have this interest and if you can foster mm-hmm. it from an early age Man, what an outcome! You know that's why Tiger Woods became so good. Is is it was he was honed that way. And if we take those those talents of these kids, let's let them let them yep. run with it. Uh, you know, don't encourage them to hack school and change their grades. But yes. yep. <laughs> but if they have the interest in that, let me show you how you can use that that power for good. Right. And right. and I think that that's that's key. So yeah, when they do come through, that's that's the point of this. And. Uh, you know, I don't know if you notice it. I, I think Michael and Eric and a couple others notice it. Is that we probably run over on how much time you want from us because we're excited about what we're doing oh, here, yeah. and we want to do that. It's just uh, you know, Friday we had a group come through. It was an unexpected tour of our facility, and I know that they were like, "Come on, let's go, let's go." But we took as much time as they would allow us to take to talk about what we're doing. Yeah, the problem is so huge. And uh, and the response has to be equal to that. So uh, hard yeah. to sum it up in five minutes. Yeah, it is. And it uh, takes five minutes to walk through y'all space too. Yeah. Y'all got nineteen thousand square feet up there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I still tell people we need segways <laughs> just to get from one side to the other. Uh, but yeah, it's it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. it it really is. I've been with with law enforcement for thirty years. I've been with the GBI for twenty over twenty four years now. There is nothing like this. I mean, period. Uh, this is uh, singular in, in what mm-hmm. we do. And the mission behind it and the structure behind it, there is nothing uh, like this. And every, everyone that comes through says, this is, this is phenomenal. And I'm like, you should work here. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> come on down. Incredible. Absolutely. Y'all are hiring, so really, come on down. <laughs> yeah, we, we're excited. Uh, you know, we, we've got, I have a, a fantastic team. I have mm-hmm. a wonderful team. And we're doubling that. And, you know, if you if you are into computers, you know about Moore's Law, which basically says that, you know, your resources double every couple of years. Well, we're doubling in a year, and we're going from 8 to 16 in one year. Hopefully that trend continues. We'll have 32 a year from now. I hope but, so. Uh, I do too. Uh, but it, it's wonderful. So we're starting with a very, very good staff, and we're selecting very, very good people mm-hmm. to add to that. So moving forward, we have two that, that for – specific reasons are Augusta residents. They're from here. And they will cover half of the state of Georgia, one in northeast, one in southeast. And then we're adding two uh, on Thursday of this week that one will be uh, in northwest Georgia and metro Atlanta, the other in southwest Georgia. And we have good statewide coverage now, uh, a good plan in place. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we're, we couldn't be happier with the progress that we're making. Um, I think that we're, we're definitely uh, keeping pace with where we want to be. How have you seen Augusta change since you moved in a year ago last July? Uh, I, I think that I, I judge a city's success by the number of construction cranes in the air. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's true. I think that when you start to see construction, you see growth. Mm-hmm. 
And we're starting to see that here. Uh, you know, not only on on the campus, but or you on have, the fort, or the like, fort, yeah. right, right. Which, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, and some of those cranes you don't ever get to see, but right. <laughs> uh, but you know, the downtown area, you can see that that revitalization of Broad Street, and it's two blocks from here. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these great restaurants that are full every day at lunch. Right, everybody's coming to town. And I think that that's, that's so good. Uh, I've been in the area for the past 24 years. I, I live about 30 minutes away from Augusta, but I've been coming to Augusta. Mm-hmm. We're seeing good change taking place. And you look at it, this is, this is where the, the ripple effect started. Yep. And it was right here moving out. Then you look across into South, uh, North Augusta in South Carolina, and you see the same thing. You see that improvement. And I think that's the key is, you know, it's here. Let's make it better. And uh, and you're starting to see that in Augusta. I think the impact is already noticeable, mm-hmm. but I think come back in two years, come back in three years, and, and uh, you probably won't even recognize the place. It's so interesting. I've been in this little triangle at Augusta University. I went to high school and middle school in downtown Augusta. I could walk to my school from here. And um, just to see the, the revitalization over the last 10 years, it's been insane. Yeah. Um, and to have so many options of places to eat lunch, you know, if you walked down here 10 years ago, you had a handful of spots and they were kind of half full, but now it truly is. There's, there's been this boom and it's like every block, there are two or three storefronts that are being redone yeah. and have been, you know, some that have just been occupied in the last couple months. And it seems like they're ribbon cuttings every other week somewhere in town. So it's, it's really cool to be a part of this change and to see how the Georgia Cyber Center has really been a catalyst for yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it's, it is big. It's tied to Fort Gordon. It's tied to NSA. It's tied to all of this. But yeah, you can come and when people come to, to our classes from out of town, yeah, what is there to do? What do you want to do? You know, mm-hmm. you have bars, you have restaurants, you have music venues, you have concert venues. If you drive across the river, you've got a world-class ballpark over Absolutely. there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, yeah, by yeah. the way, I heard the North Augusta City Commissioner at one point say that was the uh, the cheapest ballpark Augusta ever got. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> no doubt yeah. about it. But we've got miles and miles of, you know, mountain bike trails and mm-hmm. walking trails and hiking trails and yeah. river walk and, you know, the river that you can kayak or boat or swim in. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all here. Yep. And it's crazy how it's all really benefited as part of this yeah. larger project. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you know, it, it is an hour from Columbia. It's an hour and a half, two hours from Atlanta. But it's becoming the middle of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can get here from the coast. You can get here down from, from uh, the, the mountains of North Georgia or, North Car- or South Carolina, North Carolina. And, uh, and it, it has a reason to come to Augusta. Yeah. So I, I think that, that, uh, that it's just it's, this is the shining city on the river. <laughs> <laughs> they should rebrand it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no longer the Garden City, the, yeah. the shining cyber city of the yeah, South. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Steve. So to wrap it up, I have one question. What is your goal for 2019? In the next year, what would you like to see change? Uh, wow. I, you know, I, I, think that, I think that we've got to get a handle on our biggest problems. Mm-hmm. And... Because it, it seems like you understand what the big problems are. Right. right. But and, and we have we, we have those kind of solutions in mind. It's getting the structure in place. So I think that's 
over the next 12 months, that's the, the external thing that we want to do is that we want to make sure that we have that law enforcement structure where we get the phone call, we have the resources, we have a response for it. Uh, and it's something that's building, and it's something that we have interest in, uh, but, but we've got to get that, that built. Uh, there's another project other than, than the overall structure, and that is connecting all of the cyber investigators for all of the agencies in Georgia, and there are thousands of, of agencies. Uh, tentatively, we call it the Georgia Cybercrime Alliance, but it is to, to get all of those folks on the same sheet of music and communicate with each other so that we can, we can solve these cases. Uh, everybody's trying to do this, and we need to put a, a better structure to it. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. I mean, we understand the problem. We know that it's growing is to get, get what we need in place to be able to answer it. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're going to do that. Hopefully we'll have you back this time next year, and you'll tell us that you've solved it all. They're going to have to drag me out of here. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, totally, I totally hope hope to be able to do that. We won't be able to solve it all. Uh, but I think, you know, like we talked about, email is the biggest entry point into cybercrime. Once we get a handle on that, they'll move to something else. Mm-hmm. So they're not going anywhere. They're just, I, they're I legitimately moving. think text message fraud and scamming via text because it, it, it text is like that last trusted digital medium. Yeah. And people trust it. Yeah. They see a phone number. It's a text message. Someone has their name. Like I just got a new work number a few months ago and, you know, the person who used to have my phone clearly, you know, was applying for jobs and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And I get lots of messages about, you know, click this link, go here, yeah. that sort of thing. And I can just see how that could just spiral out of control. Well, and, <laughs> and you go back 30 years to the, the beginning of the inter- Internet. It was built on trust. For 20 years, we've trusted caller ID. For 20 years, we've trusted email. And it's the trust that the criminal preys on. You know, that's our vulnerability. Uh, the software side, the hacker side, that's, that's gotten pretty secure. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, they call it the attack surface. The, the physical attack surface is not a big deal anymore. It's the human attack surface. It's the end user. So, you know, we get a handle on that and let people know. And, in fact, we're doing it internally. If you get an attachment on an email or a hyperlink or an attachment or something to download on a cell phone, Make sure you reach out to the sender and find out if, if this can, actually came from them. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it just because their name's on the email. Uh, you know, and, and I think we've got to get a we've got to get a handle on that. The problem is a lot of these are are being sent here from overseas. They're not somebody we can put our hands on. And the most important mission we can have is getting the word out. So these these are critically important for us. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Steve. Always a pleasure. Been awesome. This is awesome. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to Other Duties as Assigned. This is a podcast recorded out of the makerspace at the Georgia Cyber Center, who proudly presents this podcast ad-free. Thanks so much for listening.